You're listening to Bloom in Tech with David Bloom. This podcast sponsored by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Hey everybody, it's David Bloom back with another episode of Bloom in Tech, the merciless investigation of the rubble of the collision between entertainment, media, and technology. Lots to talk about. This past week, I once again returned to uh, Let's Do Lunch, the midday webinar hosted by my fine friends Tenzar and Ned Sherman over at uh, Digital Entertainment World. And they have replaced their in-person live event stuff with this uh, virtualized conversation on a daily basis. And I have done uh, one of these each of the first two weeks they've done it. And I'm going to be doing another one this next week featuring Dan Weinstein, the co-founder and president of Studio 71, one of the big online video really pioneers. It's gone through a lot of changes over the years, and Pro Sieben, the big German broadcaster, owns a piece of it. So we'll have a very interesting conversation, I'm sure. But the conversation I had this last week was with Phil Ranta, who heads the online uh, community of gaming creators for Facebook, that little startup with 2.2 billion followers around the globe. Lots of interesting stuff to talk about. We got into all kinds of things, like the new celebrity gamer uh, folks that are getting involved, the launch of the new platform, uh, tournament platform that Facebook now has, the opportunities in virtual reality and uh, augmented reality for a lot of gamers, Uh, and, and the need for, I think, or the opportunity, I guess is probably a better way to put it, for uh, still to come new influencers to create new kinds of experiences in the gaming space, which has sort of fallen, I think, into a bit of a, a bit of a rut uh, in terms of, uh, as Phil mentions it in the in our conversation that you'll hear in a bit, you know, head in the corner and a game on on screen, and then a chat room going by furiously. Uh, there are some other opportunities to create compelling gaming-related streaming content, and I think some newcomers have an opportunity, whether it's on Facebook or Twitch or YouTube Gaming or Microsoft's Mixer, to mix it up and try some different things. Anyway, we had a fantastic conversation, and uh, we'll go right to that uh, in just a second. So thanks for listening, and we'll be right back. Welcome, everyone, to the eighth episode of Let's Do Lunch, where we try to make uh, going stir-crazy at home a little less crazy and uh, and a lot of fun. So today we have a terrific show on the business of games with Phil Ranta. Phil is head of gaming creators at Facebook and works on some of the biggest deals in the live streaming space involving esports and gaming personalities. And here with us today as our host uh, interviewer for the show is David Bloom, who's a senior contributor at Forbes and TubeFilter. All right, I'll turn it over to David. Hey, everybody. David Bloom. Delighted to be here with uh, the sainted Phil Ranta and uh, Ned Sherman and his merry band of uh, tricksters and pranksters. We, uh, I am recording this, but it'll be on your site. So uh, you're going to be able to find it if you, if you miss some parts because your child is pulling at your arm saying, I can't wait to do more homework, Daddy you have options. We are going to be talking today about uh, the space, the video game space, particularly the influencer space with one Phil Ranta, who I I hope will soon turn back on his audio and video. There he is. There I am. Hey, everybody. Now, I understand why Phil was a little shy because he's a little he's a little ghosted out right now. Yes, I couldn't get the lighting right in here. Yeah, it it turns out, though, he has many, many, many skills and has been a pioneer in digital entertainment in many different ways for 15 or 20 years now. He's not a lighting guru. So it's no, he'll he'll (laughs) learn that during the the quarantine. So I wanted to real quickly uh, get into a couple of quick Uh, data bits to get us started. One, uh, Media Research put out some notes on what they like to call, uh, fetchingly, the self-isolation entertainment boom. And it's particularly relevant what they're talking about because what we're seeing is gaming is replacing traditional sports. Makes sense, but it is really getting pretty heavy-duty meta out there. We've had the NBA 
have some of its stars play an NBA 2K tournament this last weekend. Uh, I got a, a news release from a, a fellow fraternity brother who uh, works for Gen G, one of the big esports and social media uh, houses out there doing apparel and all that. They're doing a similar tournament with University of Kentucky basketball stars having a tournament uh, coming up in the next couple of days, as a matter of fact, with some current and former players. And it's going to be interesting to think about how that plays out with the NCAA, uh, which right now is staring at the abyss. If we don't have traditional sports in the fall, it is entirely possible we will not have football, college football next fall. It is being uh, talked about in very hushed terms, but if we don't have football, we don't have the revenues that pay for all the rest of college sports, except for esports, as all these teams like Ohio State, no, the Ohio State University and University of Washington and a bunch of other schools have uh, started programs. Hundreds of schools have programs now, but it's going to be uh, a really big challenge. Uh, Jason Della Roca does mention, of course, the racing guys. Uh, there's virtual F1 out of Melbourne. Uh, the NASCAR guys are doing a short track racing with uh, NBC, which I think is smart of NBC Sports Channel to, uh, to jump into that. And we're seeing some really interesting stuff out there. And I wanted to talk with Phil in particular as the head of Facebook gaming creators here in North America, what he's seeing. So Phil, let's just start off the top of our heads. Let's just start with what's the general situation from your all's perspective there at Facebook HQ in terms of the opportunity in gaming right now? What's, what's it looking like for you guys? Yeah, absolutely. Consumption is up. I think that's a natural. When people have more time on their hands, they, they turn to entertainment. Um, game purchasing and game playing is way up. And game streaming viewership particularly is way up. So, and I think that a lot of this has to do with school cancellations as much as anything, right? Like kids are looking for ways to fill time. But also when people have more expendable time on their hands, they oftentimes turn to games. Now, what I think is really interesting, which is what you brought up earlier, is the fact that sports are being canceled leaves this huge void in the ecosystem, right? Like people need to watch people competing against each other. There's something very primal and innate about that. So we're starting to see esports become digestible in interesting new ways, like the NBA stream that we recently had on yeah. Facebook. Um, we're starting to get athletes who are also young people themselves who grew up playing video games, who also happen to be professional athletes turn to their video game consoles and start taking on some of their, their fellow teammates as an interesting right. new way to get, you know, basketball out to the world. Right. Yeah. I mean, not just basketball, as people pointed out, Formula One uh, is doing it in NASCAR, but I think we'll see other folks doing it. Uh, the child, I mean, FIFA is going to sure it ought to be jumping on this or at least English premier league and people like that. Right. It is interesting though. One of the numbers that I've heard is, tied to this business, not only is it the sports being replaced by esports, but uh, the, there's about $2 billion, somebody estimated, in suddenly unallocated sports advertising dollars floating around there trying to find places to land. And some of that, I have to think, is going to be going into esports. And it's about time, given the intense uh, affection that it, it uh, inculcates in its uh, hardcore fans and the fact that those are fans that aren't watching a lot of traditional sports in some ways. So are you all seeing the ad dollars coming in as well? Are you hearing anything within uh, Facebook about some of that? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, I don't want to be too far into the predictions business on this one, but there's oh, come a few on. things I know. I've got to be a little bit in the predictions business. Well, here's, here's me uh, dipping my toe in the predictions business. So we all know that when a recession happens, advertising spend is naturally going to go down. It's usually one of the first things that gets hit. Right. Um, however, this is such a gaping maw in terms of what inventory can be purchased that I have a feeling that the maw of inventory is going to be far deeper than the decrease in digital spend. So it's my guess that, yes, for people who have not considered putting fair amounts of their budget in digital or in content before, are probably starting to make those considerations. Now, around that, people who are traditionally, say, TV buyers moving to digital they need certain things to make them feel safe, like premium content that's scheduled. They can attach big names to it. Um, that's why we're really thankful that a lot of bigger celebrities are starting to look at places like Facebook where they already have large audiences and saying, well, maybe I want to do a tournament. Maybe I want to start live streaming. 
it's actually a very good apples to apples corollary to things like TV budgets because it's long view session times, um, heavily mid-roll advertising, um, exceptionally trackable, you know who your demos are. So yeah, I have a feeling that it's going to probably be uh, a, a very positive time for monetization on things like game streams. Now, that, that brings up a question. We had a little conversation before uh, this whole thing got going. It's a, our secret conversation, but I'm going to spill some beans here. I asked, how you, I asked how you were doing, and you said, I'm busy. And I was like, how can you be busy? We're in a quarantine. <laughs> the economy's collapsed. It's no big deal. What's going on? Is it just because it takes more work to work out of your garage or your, in Ned's case, in his son's bedroom, uh, former bedroom? And it's like, no, you're getting hit up for people who want to get into this stuff, right? So all of a sudden, yeah. you guys are getting a whole bunch of folks that never thought about streaming in general and game streaming in particular saying, hey, Phil, give me a hand here. So right. talk about that a little bit. Well, it's funny. If, if I look back at the, my whole career in social video, this, is, this kind of reminds me of 15 years ago when I was begging celebrities to get onto MySpace and talking about the power of MySpace, right? And how did yeah, that work like, out? I just want to know. So You know, sometimes good and oftentimes poorly. But yeah, it's, I mean, we've spent a lot of time evangelizing this idea of having a more digital career. And for many reasons, right? You, you get a younger audience that'll grow with you, deeper lean-in for fandom that converts really well and valuable inventory. Now all of a sudden these, these musicians, actors, athletes are being forced to finally look at digital as being one of their only options. They can no longer film movies. They can no longer go do concerts. And now they say, oh God, I'm home and all I have is myself and my computer and my talent and um, my spouse so now, or my child and, Other than right, that, well hey, you know and anything can get away from them right. i'm recording you can't come in here for the next 12 hours yeah. every once in a while you need a break right so right. um but oftentimes like gaming is also getting more and more ubiquitous too i mean if you look at the gaming really is aging up with people and now there's people who are you know my age middle-aged who grew up with video games so it's starting to be seen as a viable way to create content using your social platforms where you've already built up an audience and start monetizing. So if you're, say, big musician X and you had all of your scheduled stops already planned and those all get canceled and you say, oh my God, my lifestyle dictates that I need to find a million dollars now, it's actually a really interesting time to start looking at places like Facebook and how to monetize or TikTok or YouTube or Twitch or any of those other places where you can turn your talent into money. Yeah, and they would have been playing on their PlayStation on the tour bus anyway. So oh, sure. why don't we just stream this anyhow? I'm going to be interested to see if and when we ever return to something close to normalcy, if those artists who are you know, musicians who are on, on tour for 300 days a year, whether they actually say, hey, we should put like a internet connection a mobile wireless connection on 5g say so we yeah. can stream live from our tour bus for a couple hours before we go play on 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 stage because that's yeah. an opportunity to connect with fans and do stuff and sell merch and do all kinds of things it's inevitable right because yeah. when you look at live streaming one of the biggest re like i've talked to probably thousands of people now in my career about live streaming and the number one thing i hear from athletes celebrities models everyone else is it's so technically complex right and to me, what that says is you have to learn how to do it once. And then once you learn how to do it, once you feel comfortable, like any other new technology, and then you can start integrating it into your future, like, like Alexa did or any of those other technologies that seemed scary that are now part of our lives. So now people are trying it once, right? They're being forced to try it once. So I think it's inevitable that when a big musician is going to be dropping an album in the future they're probably going to go live somewhere and maybe do a game stream because they know that X amount of thousands of people will see it. And right. that's a really great way to evangelize your audience around a particular uh, program. Well, sure. I mean, I, I love what Ninja did with the uh, music to stream by thing that he did with Capitol Records with uh, Astroworks. Oh, yeah. And he got all that licensed music. It was really smart. But uh, these guys are going to figure out the music licensing thing, too, if they're going to be playing and playing music and all that while they're going. They could do their own music. But I don't know. Singer-songwriter doesn't sound to me like Fortnite music. But that's just me. Uh, <laughs> but Beat Saber does. Beat Saber, totally. Hey. Yeah, right, right. So who, uh, you know, let, let's talk a little bit. Before the apocalypse hit, uh, we had what I, lo I lovingly like to call the talent wars going on. Uh, the first one to jump was Ninja, who, who left 
uh, to go to Microsoft, left Twitch to go to Microsoft Mixer. And that was kind of a nuclear bomb, I think, in this space. It was like, oh, there's people cashing in here. And he was soon followed by a whole string of other people, including to Facebook. It got to the point where Twitch actually had to start putting out news releases saying people weren't leaving. Right. <laughs> which yeah. which yeah, that's fascinating. Like, yeah, yeah, they were starting it. to feel it, right? It's like, oh, yeah. we better hold on to some of these guys. We may need them someday. Who, who are probably some of the biggest streamers currently, game streamers, you know, you know, OG game streamers on your platform now? So in North America, we've got uh, Ronda Rousey, Corinna Kopf, uh, Zero, Disguised Toast. Um, some people who are really into the Facebook gaming scene would know Stone Mountain and Darkness and uh, Kingslayer and Melanie Mack and some others. Um, so yeah, I mean, we've, we've got a really strong roster of creators. We definitely participated in, you know, the talent wars, but we also don't see it as a zero-sum game, right? We see right. Facebook... Facebook is the the beginning and end of Facebook is not game streaming. At the end of the day, we're a platform that's building genuine connections between people and building community through pages. And live streaming to us is a really great type of content that lives within a post and the post lives within a page. And when everything's successful, you're creating these wonderful communities where everything can kind of engage together. So we don't believe that Twitch or YouTube or Mixer has to fail for Facebook to succeed. And we have a very community focus in terms of who we approach, right? Are you trying to build out a bigger business? Are you trying to build out a more global business? Are you somebody who activates your fan base in many different ways? Those are the type of people who do really well on Facebook. But right. if it's the kind of people who are just like, I'm going to stream and that's the beginning and end of what I do, then maybe another platform is better for them. That's an interesting way to think about it because, uh, to be frank, I don't think of Facebook as a live stream platform. I know they've done a lot of work with Facebook TV and all that, but it's not what I like to say. It's not really in their DNA in the same way it might be with Twitch, which started as that, and that's what it is, and it's trying to be more than that. But but it's it does what it does really well. But that's what it is. And you guys have been other things, and now you're doing this also. So really, what you're saying is the ones that 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 do best are already doing a lot of different other stuff and Facebook kind of brings all that together because you're kind of the Swiss army knife, right? I mean, that's, right. they're the ones who are best positioned to thrive. Yeah, I see Ronda Rousey as kind of a perfect example of what the ideal Facebook gaming creator looks like, right? She and if you didn't had, say that, by the way, she would, she would break your arm. But it's, yeah, it's, I've, I've taken a hit from Ronda before. She's strong. You got to yeah, look you, out for that. You probably had it coming. That does help. <laughs> I definitely urge you to help her as much as possible, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, no, she's, uh, I mean, she's somebody who had a huge universe of fans through WWE and UFC. She was doing her vlogs, uh, which are about kind of her sustainable farm that she lives on. She's, you know, she was, she was already huge on Facebook and Instagram. And she was a huge gamer, and she just wanted to activate that side of her audience to kind of build her career in that direction. And Facebook was a wonderful home for that because it's already been built up. So if only the world was full of a million Ronda Rouseys, we'd be the biggest game streaming platform in the world, right? So right, hopefully, right. eventually it will be. Well, she's pretty smart about, I think, uh, maximizing her personal brand. There's no doubt about that, and many props to her. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of where you guys are going, Esports getting a lot of attention now, just sort of really, I mean, like real esports, not athletes with time on their hands esports. <laughs> you know, last week I had uh, one of these conversations on Let's Do Lunch with uh, Brett Weinstein, the uh, chief innovation officer for UTA, the big talent agency. And he was very careful. He said, you know, I know it could be entertaining. You could put those athletes on there. And particularly if you can catch them talking smack to each other, you could do a very entertaining and engaging event. That's cool. Mm -hmm. But let's not get confused that just because you're really good at uh, basketball, you're not necessarily going to be as good as the guy who is the NBA 2K professional player who plays right. you <laughs> yes. in NBA 2K, right. right? I mean, there's a difference. There's a, there's a qualitative difference between those, and they're different kinds of entertainment. So the, the, the traditional esports, where are you guys operating now What's working now for you guys with the traditional guys, not just the carpetbaggers, for want of a better term? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting time for esports because it's a bit of a double-edged sword. So 
it seems like this is a natural time for kind of big professional esports to really shine. But when you look at big professional esports, like the big eventized esports, Man. there is a requirement of there being a coach, everybody being in close proximity, having low latency, having sponsors be able to buy out arenas and sell tickets. And it's a big part of the monetization mix. It's true. Um, Facebook has always kind of survived as when we play with esports. Sure, we've done some kind of sponsorships with leagues in the past, and we've hosted some events, but where we've really found ourselves in a bit of a sweet spot is as a marketing arm for a lot of esports organizations, and we continue to do that. Um, but right now, in this moment, I don't know if kind of the big hardcore esports orgs are really excited about this moment or having a big moment. I think that what this moment is really speaking to is a more accessible kind of esports, like that the athletes playing 2K games is a form of esport. It's introducing the game in an interesting way to publishers who are going to be the real winners in all this. Like, let's not yeah. kid ourselves. Right, right. Publishers are the ones that are going to be selling like crazy here. And then they're going to start introducing to people the concept of what can be done with esports. And that's going to encourage the next wave of players who will see a viable career opportunity understand how to play tournaments at a more grassroots level. Good time to plug that Facebook just launched a Facebook right. tournaments platform that Let's anyone talk, can yeah. access and build. Yeah, definitely talk um, about that. So we'll, we'll circle back, but you finish, finish your thought. You bet. So using platforms like that, the next generation of esports players who might not be the hardest core, but are starting to get really, really good and are having some time on their hands, will be able to start playing in these, in these micro tournaments and grow into the celebrities of next time. So the kind of influencer-based esports uh, crews like 100 Thieves and FaZe, they're going to be big winners on this. I would say that the hardcore, hardcore esports orgs, they're going to have to find a lot of interesting ways to replace the revenue lost from big tournaments. Yeah, I, th I think that's a really interesting point because traditional esports has been pretty smart, I think, about getting into apparel and having significant social media uh, presences and doing not just live streaming, but having lots of live events and having live events with merchandise that they've designed that they have drops for it and they have personalities that they've built up as well as the esports athletes. And so they've got a range of things that I think are really interesting, but are also dependent in substantial but not complete part on on the revenues that they get from those live events. So it'll be tougher to do that. I mean, you talk about latency, boy, more distance is less latency. I mean, is 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 a longer latency, obviously. So so that's not great. But you can still have a good experience if everybody has if it's the same playing field for everybody. It's the same playing field. Sure. So with platform the platform the tournament platform, what can you do with that? Talk about that real quick. Yeah, so the Facebook tournament platform is designed so anybody can start a tournament, um, include bracketing, uh, score recognition, and it all kind of lives within the Facebook platform. So the, the goal of all of this is it was part of the, the Play Apart Together campaign. It was started by Zynga, and Facebook and Oculus are a part of it now. Um, and it's just a really great way for people to kind of find contexts where they can get their friends together and game all the way up to kind of the professionals running scrimmages or other bigger things through Facebook and having a way for an audience to understand and follow how the tournament is progressing. So we see it having large charitable applications, um, spot future sponsorship applications. But as a V1, we're just encouraging people to, to use this as a fun way to get people together and play a tournament. Well, that, that raises a question that came in from one of our audience members, Phil Elliveld, who uh, works over at USC's Entertainment Technology Center. He's asking if you all have been approached to do a gaming equivalent of that uh, Lady Gaga COVID-19 concert for charity that's going to be on three old school broadcast networks. Uh, is there something like that that you see coming for the tournaments that you're talking about on your platform? Yeah, I think that it's possible. We're exploring. I mean, we're not cutting anything off. Naturally, Facebook is such a large company. We've already done a whole lot of, you know, COVID stuff, including their $20 million charity match and our small businesses fund and our news fund. And we've done a bunch of town halls on traditional um, media uh, about COVID. Um, we've also built out our COVID center that provides information. On the gaming side, we did one day of kind of big charity live streams for the UNF. Um, and we're looking at more, right? There's, there's always more we can do. And we think the tournament's there's not much I can say about it now, but there's things that we're 
uh, in deep conversations about that I think will have the spirit of that. Yes. Okay. Deep conversations. I, 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 when I think of Facebook, I think of nothing but deep conversations. I have absolutely. To say. Deep, deep, deep. <laughs> Paul Robert Carey asked a question that I think is interesting. Uh, he also uh, was very happy to see that our chat room zips by a lot slower than all those ones we see in live stream game <laughs> conversations. Sure. And sure. I got to say, as an old guy, much as I love to game, and I do. It's a little epilepsy-inducing uh, when it's zipping by at 155 miles an hour. I am not those guys. I have some skills that, that not, may not be one of them. But he has a good question. He says, uh, several of the streamers he knows love to curse and say controversial, and he puts it gently, stuff mm-hmm. on Twitch while streaming. They hate that one word can get them demonetized on YouTube when they remix their streams. What's your view on freedom of expression versus sponsorship for streamers and esports athletes? You talked about advertisers wanting a safe space and a, a dependable premium space. So there's a, an essential conflict, I think, there or, or tension. I'll just leave it tension between those mm-hmm. two sides. How does how does Facebook balance that out? Yeah, totally. So I mean, we've got our kind of what we allow on our platform in terms of services, and whether it's a post or a live stream, those things still stand, right? We're very against hate speech and you know we like we've got uh, misinformation we've got kind of our our deeply held beliefs that we aren't going to move from when it comes to what we allow on the platform in terms of streamers we give a lot of power to the streamer themselves um we've got moderation tools that we built out our new toxicity tools that allow them to say ban comments and have a keyword list and have people approve before they comment uh, the the rules of chat before they go in. Naturally, the, the the platform itself is still going to flag when something egregious is happening, and we still have to be cautious about what our brands actually want to buy into, right? If if somebody is in the partner program and there's ads being sold against it, and their content has proven to no longer be viable for the ad market community, then we can't allow that to have something that has ads, and that's just a reality of the market more so than a uh, you know, something that we're trying to uh, hamper freedom of expression, but it's also a, a realistic part of the market is if you're sure. a mainstream brand, you just, you don't want some of that stuff. Right. It's, it's, it's a, it's a little naive, I have to say by some live streamers say, I want to be able to say whatever I want to say and freedom of expression. Yeah, you, you're free to say what you want, but, but that brand is free to not give you money for it. And right. that's exactly key, but it is, it is an essential uh, challenge, I think. Couple of things we mentioned that that uh, Facebook has got its hands in everything. Uh, mm-hmm. One of those things, and as you and I have previously discussed, is uh, AR and VR with the Oculus Quest looking like a real breakout product in virtual reality, and lots of people are really wanting to get out of this reality into something more virtual right. and fun. How are you all incorporating that, and are your creators taking advantage of it on the Facebook platform? It would seem like a natural extension of because they own Oculus, but. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, I use my Oculus a couple hours a day. It's a, it's a. If you're feeling, no wonder you're fever, so busy. Just... <laughs> yeah, exactly. After the baby goes to sleep, the Oculus Quest goes on. So totally there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Right now, I mean, streaming we we see as a important part of all kind of game consumption, evangelization, marketing moving forward in the future, and being owners of Oculus and owners of a couple of game studios that are developing for VR, including Beat Saber, we understand that has to be part of the mix. So at OC6 last year, we announced our uh, new technology mixed reality capture, where someone will be able to stream using an external camera and have them look like they're actually inside of the VR game. We believe that's going to be a big part of the future of VR streaming. Um, and we're continuing to work on making that consumer ready. Um, but right now within Oculus Quest, we do have very va- basic streaming functionality. Um, but most people who stream in a serious way for VR are still using external camera. You kind of see them in the headset wandering around, and then they're mirroring their, their computer screen on the Rift usually, okay. um, which is a fun experience. It's not optimized, but we're, we're trying to fast follow that with you know, a really great mixed reality capture experience through something like a Quest. Yeah, I, I would think that is uh, probably a little complicated on most people's not that fast home connections, particularly right, now exactly. when everybody else is on the same thing, but also something that could be really interesting down the road. Again, maybe we, when we get to the 5G 
full rollout. If it doesn't all get burned down by conspiracy theorists, I think it's probably time real quick for us to, to do a poll. There we go. See, you know, I feel like I've just rubbed the genie or something. And so mm -hmm. this, this poll was really just to get a quick route. I know lots of folks in this room are gamers. I'm just trying to figure out how much they play, where they play, on yeah. what do they play. So please just take a, a minute to do that. We'll give you the results in about five minutes. In the meantime, we'll continue with some questions. Let's see, we got one here that I thought was interesting uh, from Dustin Glass. Uh, which sounds almost like a, a condition like you need to clean your mirror. But uh, Dustin has a good question saying he's curious to know how Facebook, uh, as represented by you, feels about syndicated streams that broadcast across Facebook gaming, YouTube, Twitch simultaneously. I think Mixer might do it too. But do you yeah. think it's beneficial for all platforms to support collaborations like that? Or, does you need, or, or is it better to have exclusives? It's an interesting question, I think, because you're still growing the space and you want to be able to encourage creators, but you also want to have exclusive stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. And frankly, in Facebook, we don't really have a one-size-fits-all way to use our platform. So there will be people who uh, we have on exclusive agreements who will stream only on Facebook, and that's where they're going to build their audience. And that's great. But if you're uh, somebody who the goal of using Facebook is just mass syndication and your goal is to grow all platforms at the same time and you're using a restream or a mob crusher an omelet or one of those other technologies yeah absolutely like that's that's cool too or if you're somebody who just wants to upload vod cut downs of your streams on other platforms like ninja does on facebook totally cool right like there's a lot of different things you can achieve through facebook some of it is marketing your content elsewhere some of it is kind of living natively on the platform which we feel is a very strong offering and we don't want to limit people in terms of what they can do. Okay, so a qualified yes. It's cool. A qualified yes. Yeah, it's, it's right. not against terms of service uh, unless right. you have uh, some sort of additional agreement in place. Okay, all right. Uh, not unless you add, add like, like anybody needs to add new terms of service to their right, exactly. relationship with any of the social media platforms. Like, oh, I can't wait to do that. In all this conversation, we have not talked much about the biggest gaming platform out there, the least cool gaming platform out there, but the one that makes the most money by probably a factor of at least 2x, 3x, mobile. And uh, it's only going to get, I think, more so as we do get a higher connectivity that allows people to stream on incredibly powerful computers that are actually called our cell phones that are tied to cloud-based gaming opportunities. I would think that whether they admit it or not, Facebook has got to have some interest in that. What's happening in mobile with you guys? Are there creators using mobile on a routine basis in, in now? And where do you think that's all headed? Yeah, actually, Facebook, it's, we, we sit in an interesting place because consumption on Facebook is heavily, heavily mobile. So we kind of became dominant in the mobile game space very early by way of how consumption happens. And part of it is because we're also global, right? So in territories where mobile gaming is huge, right? Which North America, it's big, but it's not like Southeast Asia big, right? Facebook had a really good foothold. So it's a huge priority for us to make sure we stay in the mobile gaming world. Um, naturally, we've been doing games on Facebook for a very long time. I don't know if you remember the Farmville notifications of the past, Oh, but we still yeah. have like God. words with feel, friends. I feel old. You, you right run up Farmville's like crap. I, I'm gonna go like plant some stuff or something. Oh, I love those games. Yeah, I got way too many notifications, which is part of the problem. But yeah. loved it. But we still have a lot of native gaming happening on the Facebook platform. When it comes to streaming, yes, a lot of games like PUBG Mobile are doing exceptionally well. I have a feeling it's because watching a mobile game on a desktop first streaming platform might kind of show the flaws of mobile gaming a little bit more than if you're also watching on a mobile platform. Right. So yeah, in the territories where mobile is dominant, we're pretty dominant as well. Okay, interesting. Mark Patterson, who is in the esports business and a, a, an associate of mine, I, I run with some dodgy people, as you can tell. There we go. Mark had a couple of questions. I think a particularly good one is, are the KPIs changing for the digital ads in esports? I mean, like what counts as a win in the ad side these days for you guys? 
Yeah, so I, we're we're testing ad units. Um, we've got some interesting ad units that we're making specifically for live. None of which are kind of ready for broad release yet. I think that we it's it requires a new way of thinking because when you show a, an ad within a live context, you're going to miss something on the screen, right? So it's unlike VOD content where you can just say wait for it. If you show an ad during a key moment in a game, it becomes a a very iffy way to because there's always stuff happening you don't want to miss anything right so right. we're being very thoughtful about that we've got a fair amount of ad products in beta and yeah i think that the the in the esports world a lot of it is kind of kind of look back at tv in terms of how things are done which is kind of how it's done now right which yeah. is in natural breaks doing ads doing full takeover ads but also doing kind of branded sponsorships around the arenas that they are caught on camera and this equipment is brought to you by this and here's the uh, Geico play of the game. I think you're going to see a lot of that stuff happening in esports as well. Let me see what else we got out here because we've only got a couple minutes left, I think, before Ned puts the hammer down. Sure. Uh, uh, be sure to vote on the audience poll. And if you're an other kind of guy, as uh, somebody here grumped, understandably, on some of these questions. Uh, <laughs> I think Mark just posted. He said, uh, dodgy, dude. Uh, <laughs> I can't tease Mark. Who can I tease? Any, any sense this was going to be a big year for the uh, console side um, with both a new Xbox and a new PlayStation coming out and with the yeah. Switch apparently becoming the uh, platform of the moment because they put out Animal Crossing. Great game. I've tried to think what the Animal Crossing tournament would look like but, right. Uh, <laughs> well, 100 Thieves just did a merch drop on Animal Crossing. It was oh. pretty next level. And oh, huge yeah. shout out to all the metaverse people out there who are trying yeah. to build virtual spaces for people to do consumption and stuff. It's, it was really cool. That's great. I mean, uh, that's an interesting point. You know, Nintendo has always been its own universe. And you could just think about virtual goods like you see in Fortnite on Animal Crossing being gigantic and an opportunity for you guys uh, as well, I would think. Um, that, that leads me to a question, though, about digital goods and how you all could help make that a, an opportunity for monetization for your creators. How does that stuff work on your platform? Yeah, so right now, the way we do digital goods is mostly through the paid subscriptions program. So if somebody becomes your paid subscriber, then they have access to custom stickers that other people don't have that they have in chat. Also, when people are donating, just like they tip, uh, they have the option of donating stickers that are of different values, and then those show up in chat as well. We're probably not going to get into that kind of game of like avatars or like I can't imagine. It just doesn't feel very native to the Facebook platform. Yeah, um, DNA, I think right. It's a DNA question, but right, right. I just can't DNA imagine question. Mark saying, "No, we're not going to find a new way to make money." I mean, that just seems right. Right, Zuckerberg. I'm just going to throw that out there. But uh, we also want to make sure that people can freely upload avatars and banners, and you know, like we we never we're at the end of the day, we're in the ads business, and the kind of user pay business is great, um, and it's really important for the monetization for streamers. But I I don't see that as being kind of the the big way that our streamers make money. But I, we do want to encourage people to be able to sell their merch. Like we're, sure. we're very into kind of shoppable ad units that streamers can use. And we're looking into a lot of those kind of features. But your point is that ultimately because, because you all are an ad platform that happens to do all these other things like connect people, you always connect them to ads. But there is a, a bit of a conflict in between uh, some of the other monetization approaches unless the, the streamer does it themselves or has some third party way to do it outside mm -hmm. of your all's ecosystem, which is okay for you right. guys? Yeah. yeah, we want to be thoughtful about it. I mean, we don't want to clutter up the platform with a lot of buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this, right? Sure. But we think that it can, all of these things can be considered thoughtfully. And as long as it makes it so the user experience is still great and the gamer experience is still great and they're making as much money as they can, and everybody's happy with it, then I think that it's a fit. We just have to evaluate each thing on that basis. So the first question, do you play video games? Uh, shockingly, in a room where everybody decided to sign up and hear about a guy who deals with people who play video games and talks sure. about it online all the time, almost 40%, almost 40% wow. 
do it daily or nearly daily. And I bet really now, I probably should have asked, are you, you know, how much has it changed from right. what you would yeah, do? Mine's gone up, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine has gone up despite the uh, vast objections of my beloved spouse. Uh, but it's like, dude, I'm getting stuff done and then I need right. to check out. I don't need to watch CNN some more, all right? Right. But, but most folks are doing it at least a few times a week. It's actually more than three in five in this room are doing it at least a few times a week and 40, almost 40% are doing it daily or nearly daily. Uh, what platform do you typically play? I was a little surprised, almost 40%, again, on the mobile phone. Uh, more proof that it is, it is the platform. And in lots of other markets, I think somebody in the chat room mentioned at some point in Asia, gigantic. You know, it's where people oh, yeah. access so much. And uh, in China, of course, they figured out, a lot of it's sitting on top of WhatsApp or whatever, right? But they, uh, they figured out how to, to, to monetize on the, on, the, on the mobile side about even on the console side, uh, but only about 14% each. And PCs, which is where the hardcore OG gamer, quote unquote, likes to live, about 25%. So I find that interesting. Which new platform are you most interested in? The PS5 wins uh, a little bit, almost a third, are most interested in the PS5. I'd love to hear, uh, maybe some people can post something in the uh, chat room about why they think the PS5 is more interesting or the Xbox is more interesting. And we still got some hardcore about one in five is uh, sticking with their upgraded PC, spending several hundred bucks a year just to throw in the new graphics card or some faster RAM or whatever. But I would love to hear if anybody wants to post in there just to add to the conversation in our multi-streaming universe that we're now in why you think the PS5 is more interesting than the Xbox Series X. PS5 put out a little bit more information on their really pretty cool-looking controller yesterday. So that, I loved it. Was yeah. that. It's got some built-in microphone arrays, apparently, that will make it interesting for more of the voice-controlled opportunities, I think, and, and chat and all that. And instead of having to wear a, a bulky headset, not good news for all the companies that make headsets and stuff, but uh, I think it'll be great. And then uh, let's see, what live streaming platform do you watch for game content? And 35% said Twitch, which is not a surprise because nope. they remain the, the market leader with about 70% of the market, if I recall. Is that right, Phil? And you guys are under 10%, if I think. If I, think. Uh, I think we're 11% of global in Q1. Okay, so you're, you're yep. getting, some, getting a little bit of uptake. And this is a fast-growing pie. There's room for everybody to grow here, oh, I sure. think. About a third don't watch anything because they just want to know what this is so they can get on and become streamers too clearly. And you all know you need to go hit Phil Ranta, at mm -hmm. Phil Ranta on Twitter, by the way. You yep. can hit him up and he will get you set up on Facebook to become a famous live streamer uh, in the video game space just like Phil is going right. to Yes, and I'm addicted to social media, so if there's any questions that weren't answered, you can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, wherever. Right. It's always at Phil Ranta. Always at Phil Ranta. And, and I do follow Phil on, on both platforms, and you can find me there, too, at David Bloom on, uh, on Twitter, because I was OG on Twitter, but not quite OG enough on, on LinkedIn, David L. Bloom. But there is lots of opportunity here, I think. I, don't, I mean, I'm sort of curious what you think. Somebody posted in the chat room saying, oh, there's still, it's never too late to become a streamer. And I think that that's sort of true. I think a lot of these spaces are still green spaces. There's still mm -hmm. some green, uh, green grass ahead for people to uh, homestead and try to build their own audience. I mean, what's, what's your thought about that in terms of the opportunities? If you're not walking in the door with, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand followers on Facebook or more, mm -hmm. what's the opportunity for like the just getting going person? I think it's absolutely true that you can still, I mean, look, if you were to use kind of live game streaming and then correlate that to the early days of YouTube, on the early days of YouTube, when people were still trying to figure it out, we kind of lived in this vlog space where it was a lot of people who were just talking directly to their computers and they were, because Mac started having the bundled webcam as part of the computer. So everyone was doing that vlog and everything was just kind of sit and chat or sometimes like grainy videos outside. And some people were doing sketches and those are the ones that really blew up. In the game space right now, a lot of it is still head and corner playing the game. You're either more entertainer or core gamer and you kind of slide. Floating head. Yeah, I right. like floating head, right? I mean, yeah, but there's just not a lot of 
differentiation between streams right now. So there's an right. incredible opportunity for people to come in with like, like I think Dr. Disrespect or on our platform, Kingslayer, people who are putting on big characters, it's a very wide open space. Or I'm waiting for Dead Mouse. I want yeah, to see totally. the Dead Mouse live stream because then at least somebody has a big head. I mean, Marshmallow yeah. should do it for God's sake since he went on Fortnite. He's got the big oh, yeah. Marshmallow head. The Marshmallow head on a live stream mm-hmm. would totally rock. Yeah, he's very gaming relevant. So yeah, I think that people are going to start finding more of shows around it in the same way they kind of did in YouTube. And there'll be a whole new crop of big stars that'll be popping up over the next five years. Yeah, so we got a couple minutes left. Somebody uh, broached Phil Ellivelle again from uh, ETC. Uh, I've mentioned 5G a couple times. I'm sure everybody in this room is relatively tech savvy. But uh, what is your all's take on the opportunity for Facebook, particularly in this gaming live streaming space, with that further rollout what does that look like for you all because i know that you all have quote gamed out that that opportunity what does it look like for you guys and where does it go yeah 5g is really exciting and i mean 5g is not just exciting because like everything's going to be faster and that's great but you know in order to stream it's it's pretty network intensive right and it's it's a huge barrier to entry so if we can now get more reliable internet where people can stream face voice and chat through their mobile phone it's going to be a huge opportunity for more people to become streamers consumption will go up and platforms like ours that are really mobile first i think will benefit far more than those who kind of depend on a lot of desktop usage right i think that's an interesting question so if you're already native-ish to so i mean if if mobile's where you live already it's going to be easy for that next step to really sort of Ride that, ride that pony as far as it's going to go. It's interesting to think about how people could do something differently. Uh, Kang Tai has posted in here, seeing streaming as a new way to distribute content. And I do think that that's interesting. There have been some experiments, but gamers, I think, need to think about how they can do it more than just showing the game, right? I mean, I think that's one of the things. Are there any of your all's creators, any of the newcomers that have come in who are like, they don't know enough not to say, oh, we can't do it that way, that, that are coming up with some new content, some of those new approaches you talked about, about whether it is wearing Marshmallow's head. I mean, it'd be fun to wear Marshmallow's head and not be Marshmallow, I think, but yeah, I have an issue about that. But I'm just saying that, uh, is anybody starting to play with the form and move beyond what was sort of the way it was done over the last several years? Yeah, let me, I'll tell you a quick story. There's a streamer um, that's just recently started blowing up on the platform named Raya Stream. And he is a trucker. Like he drives truck for a living. Well, did until his game streaming blew up and now he does that. But he would play the truck simulator games. I was going to say, it's, did he do the truck simulator game? He that's does. fantastic. He's, so he's got a steering wheel. And he's a yeah. truck driver. Oh, that's He awesome. talks like a trucker. He's got the steering wheel. He's got the full setup. He does the truck simulator. He's very clear about his goals while he's doing the truck. Like, I'm going to go no radio? crash on this one. CB he, talks, he talks like it, right? Like a breaker. A lot of his audience are also truckers or trucker relevant. And to me, what it does is speaks to the Facebook platform and what's special about it so strongly is this trucker can find a trucker audience playing a trucker game, find a way to monetize it all with virtual spaces through games. That is and to me, that's, that's super special. It's like, it's not just sit and chat and it's not just skill. It's like, this is just for you, you very specific community out right, there. Because right. of that, he gets huge support. And then when we get autonomous vehicles as trucks, he's going to have right. an autonomous player as his streaming. Right, so- totally. With, with that, uh, we'll wrap this up. Thanks so much to Ned and certainly to Phil Ranta. Everybody give him a big virtual hand. I turn this back to Ned to close it up and send us on our way. So that's my show this week. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Phil Ranta, the head of gaming creators for Facebook, that little startup with 2.2 billion followers. We had a a lot of stuff to talk about, and uh, I'd love to hear your reactions to any of the things he had to say. I think there's some intriguing things there, particularly about the opportunity to, to rethink the way gaming creators talk about games, uh, create content around games, and and I'd love to see who you might point to or what, what you're doing or what others are doing to make it an even bigger, more engaging, and broadly accessible space. You can reach me uh, to talk about that. You can leave an audio comment, if you'd like, on the site that 
syndicates and hosts my content, Anchor.fm, now part of Spotify. And they make it easy, I think, across all 10 platforms where they syndicate my content for you to leave an audio comment that I can then take. And if it's good stuff, I can drop into the show. I'd love to be able to do that and respond to what you might be thinking about or talking about. Please check it out and leave me a note. More generally, if you like what you hear on the show, please rate, review, share, and subscribe. It makes a big difference for all those magic algorithm machines out there that uh, guide so much of our uh, ways to find, connect with entertainment of many kinds and information. And I hope to both entertain and inform as we go. If you really like my show, Anchor.fm also makes it really easy to chip in a few bucks to help fuel this well-oiled media machine that um, is Bloomin' Tech and the, the man behind it. would greatly appreciate anything you might want to donate. Uh, in the till, though, I know it's a tough time for a lot of folks, and I'm certainly sensitive to the challenges so many of us face out there and hope that uh, you are all getting by in some way or another. Let me know what you guys think about what Phil had to talk about. You, If you don't want to leave a, a message on Anchor.fm, an audio message, you can reach me at David Bloom on Twitter, and that's B-L-O-O-M. And you can also connect with me on LinkedIn at David L. Bloom. Love to hear from you. Uh, love to engage with listeners out there. And we're not going to be seeing each other in any conferences anytime soon, but I'd sure like to hear from you. And please check out uh, some of the continued conversations with uh, Let's Do Lunch. I'll be uh, on Tuesday. I'll be uh, sitting down with the co-creator, uh, co-founder of uh, Studio 71, one of the OG online video companies. He's uh, Dan Weinstein. He is now the president as well of that company. And we'll have a lot to talk about. That company's gone through a lot of interesting changes over the years and is now partly owned, majority owned by ProSieben, the big German broadcaster. And they do a lot of good stuff and got into a lot of interesting areas, including games in recent years. In the meantime, please let me know how you're doing. Please stay safe. And saying those are two different words, that are spelled nearly the same, but mean uh, a lot. Both are important in this difficult time. Know that I'm thinking about you and hope that you are all right, that the people you care about are all right. We've had some losses. Uh, RIP to uh, John Prine is one example, and uh, Ellis Marsalis, another, uh, both remarkable musicians who uh, left us too soon. And uh, there are many others out there who've left us in the middle of this pandemic hope we don't lose too many more, but we will, I'm afraid. In the meantime, keep it, keep your head up, keep listening, keep thinking, keep growing, and uh, let me know how you're doing. Uh, this is David Bloom for Bloom and Tech, over and out. You've been listening to Bloom and Tech. I am your host, David Bloom. Thanks so much. And our podcast has been sponsored in this episode by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Take care, everyone.